Jessica, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I am still wide awake, even though it's like 12.30 a.m. where we're filming this. <laughs> we really got to get on a better time, don't we? Yes, yes, but we're often both so busy with our day jobs and yeah. also we have nighttime stuff, nighttime yeah. activities. Yeah. So pretty much that sounds I'm... terrible, but <laughs> we meant more like with family and friends yeah, and stuff. like not, not shady, you know, workers of the night kind of stuff, like... You have a life. <laughs> I have a life. Of the night. We're both doing stuff, but uh, no, pretty yeah, pretty much the last like eight shows we've done that haven't been either from uh, you know without a guest on it or live from a comic book convention have all been done like at like two, three in the morning, like in, in insane hours when nobody should really be recording a podcast in the same time zone. Yes, but it just shows how much we love kaijus. It is, it is. So that we're willing to stay up, like defy the body that needs sleep. Yes. So uh, our last episode was our live show from Kamikaze. Uh, Jessica, uh, how was Kamikaze for you uh, outside of doing the uh, the, the panel? Because you left the panel about what, five minutes left so you can go run into your Bond panel. Did, uh, did you I did. I did. I had a battle of the Bond, James Bond. Mm-hmm panel and uh, I had to run out because it was they were back to back so I needed to set up because I was the moderator for the other one Mm -hmm. so no it was and then I worked a booth it's the first time ever I've ever been part of an exhibit like an exhibitor Mm -hmm. so I've never worked a booth before so I feel for all those people who are like oh I don't know what the rest of the convention looks like I've been at the booth all day I did that so now now empathy yeah. Has it used to be sympathy, but now it's empathy. We did that the first two years of Kamikaze. Like we had a booth promoting uh, Realmcast, uh, the site I uh, I do all the editing for, and uh, yeah, pretty much it was just like um, I'm gonna take off for like ten minutes, <laughs> and my buddy's like, "The hell you are! <laughs> we got stuff we got to give out." So there's a lot of like standing and looking over in the corner, and like, God, this is actually kind of boring. Like. If you're not really selling something or if you're not there, like, a lot of times you're just kind of, like, sitting waiting for people to come and interact with you. It's it's a lot different on the other side, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is very different. And the thing is, like, whenever I'm not there, I feel guilty that I'm not there. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I should be helping out, you know, my teammates and, and everything. They're just doing things, on, and they handle it beautifully. Mm-hmm. But I'm just kind of like, no, I need to be there because I'm part of the company. But, you know, I was like, no, I must eat. I will die. Exactly. Um, so there was there was a lot of that. I didn't do press, mm-hmm. but um, I did I did moderate panels, and I did exhibitors booth. So I was just kind of thinking to myself, the day that comes in San Diego – where I get the invite to do like press mm-hmm. pro like as a guest for a panel and exhibitor, I can't do it. That comic con will be a shutdown day. Yeah. I've either got to pick one and just stick with it. Cause there's no way I could do all three. No, 
It's it's a that that's a giant, ironically a giant beast upon itself. But uh, Kamikaze's no laughing matter itself. It's kind of it's it. I think they did. Well, I know I from what I heard, Friday didn't do as well, but as last year. But you got to remember, this was on a Halloween weekend. I think it's the first time yes. held it on that weekend. Yes. Like literally, like it was Halloween, and not only that, but there was like the threat of rain all day. Like it was. Yes, at Stanley's Kamikaze. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yep. Like the, the it fir- was cold. Oh, that's right. It was so cold that weekend. Yes, it was the first time we actually had rain in Southern California in like like nine and a half months too. Because afterwards. It is. Because <laughs> afterwards, I went out to uh, West Hollywood to the um, to the big Halloween thing over there because I. I've never been out there. I've lived in California my whole life. I've never done West Hollywood on Halloween. So I figured it's like I'm right in the area. So I met up with uh, some friends who always go out there. We, uh, A, I walked a mile from where I parked just to get to the damn place. And uh, we were there for like three and a half hours. And then it started like drizzling. And everyone's like, oh, this is fine. And then it just poured like around like midnight. And we had to walk a mile back the other direction to their car just drenched and I have a trench coat and a mask and all kinds of other crap on me so by the time we all get in into this parking structure we're just wringing like like just bottles of water out of all of our clothing so that was a fun evening well hopefully I mean glad it was fun and that no one got too sick because it wasn't like warm and rain it was just Ugh, cold and cold. rain yeah and two jackets I had a trench coat and I had a um like my heavy-duty Oregon coat that uh, I, I got from Portland uh, on over me with a hood and everything. And though that was like, I might as well have just been carrying like a, a backpack like those soldiers carry when they're out camping, like doing like the endurance test. It was like another like 50 pounds on me as I'm trudging uphill, like off of uh, uh, La Cienega Boulevard over in L.A. So, and other people, it's, it was a weird sight because you're watching a bunch of, like, you know, girls dressed as, like, you know, like, sexy vampires running and covering in, in terror because they're wearing almost nothing and they're getting drenched. And, like, a bunch of dudes in, like, Aztec gears, they're hiding underneath their feathers. <laughs> yeah. It, it so is it, like, a Halloween parade thing? No, it's just they shut down Santa Monica Boulevard over in West Hollywood. Uh, for those who don't know the area... Uh, that part of West Hollywood is the, how can I politely put this? It's, uh, well, it's, it's the LGBT community over there. So, um, yes, yes. Kind of like those who understand San Francisco, Columbus, Ohio. Oh yes. It's very LGBT friendly. Yes. And there's a lot of great stores there. And there's also actually some of the neighborhoods are quite clean. Oh, I (laughs) I park in one of those neighborhoods. It's nice there actually. Yeah. That's that. I had to park in one of those neighborhoods because that's the only place I could park. So, um, it took me an hour to find parking too. One full hour. So, um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, but it's a big festivity. Like the, uh, the one thing you can never, you can never not say the gays can't do is know how to party and they know how to party. And it's there, it's a, it's a, it's a sight to behold because as, uh, as, as they put it, it's, it's Halloween is gay Christmas. This is like their time to shine. And so pretty much tons of people come out and just go have a ball um, you know, it's it's not just it's not a it's not a gay thing either. There just happens to be like a large group, and they kind of put it on. But like everybody's well, there are people there with their kids. There were you know, there's a lot of people, and 
thing is, too, there were not a hell of a lot of booze flowing like you would expect. And there's just, co it's like, you think Comic-Con has costumes. There were costumes at this thing. I mean costumes. And there was, I was expecting, you know, people kept telling me, it's like, oh, you're going to see, like, this weird freak show over there. And it's just like, no, it was actually a lot of families. And, yes, there was a lot of, like, alternative lifestyle people, but... A, super friendly, as I've always stated, and B, um, most of them were dressed up in Aztec gear. Like, there was a lot of, like, the, like, feathers and headdresses, and that, that would seem to be the theme this year. And then there was a bunch of people either, you know, dressed up as, um, I saw a Grumpy Cat. There was a lot of, like, really creative, there was a dude, there were two guys that made a boat, and they were, um, Forrest Gump and, uh, Lieutenant Dan. And Lieutenant Dan had, like, a little structure that made him look like he was sitting in his wheelchair with, like, no legs and stuff. And they were walking up and down. They close off Holly, they close off Santa Monica for, like, like four blocks. And you just walk up and down this thing and just everyone has a good time. Everyone parties. There's, you know, just vibes all over the place. And it's it's really fun. So I, I, I maybe I'll post a picture or two in the, um, in the, uh, the notes just to get a look at it. It's truly something to behold, so, especially coming off a... Of, when I'm, you're coming from a comic convention where you think you, sometimes it can't get weirder, it gets a little weirder, but in, in a much funner way, though. Except for when That's great. Yeah. That's great, yeah. Because, I mean, that's how it was on, on Friday. And then, like, a Saturday, there was more people. Yes. If I recall. Yeah, yeah there was more. <laughs> See, again, I was at panels in the morning and a booth for the rest of the day. You had, like, um, I think there was a lot more. Uh, people on Saturday, and there was quite a good number of people on Sunday. Yeah, at Stanley's Kamikaze, we had our our live panel, yes. which was really fun because I it was it was fun, mm -hmm. and I'm sure if you heard the podcast, I was wearing an actual costume. It was awesome. Oh, yes. Not a not a prop, not a replica. Oh. Although I was like dwarfed in it. Well, yeah, that was the thing. Mark uh, Hadamio had uh, just come back from Japan. They were filming uh, Kaiju Gaiden, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And uh, he brought, uh, he bought an a actual costume of the uh, mutant soldiers from Godzilla Final Wars at, uh, ironically, the anime jungle that's out there. And uh, he brought it back, and he's just like, hey, Chris, um, this is probably a long shot. Do you think this will fit you? And I'm just like, oh, wow, oh, wow. I mean, I was, like, going gaga over because I love Final Wars and everything and stuff like that. So I put it on. I'm like, I don't know, man. This looks like a large for Asians but a tiny <laughs> for fat white guys. So I put it on, and look, sure enough, the coat's big if you're like 5'9 and weigh like 120 pounds, but if you're like me and you're 6'1 and like 320 and you have the shoulder length of an albatross, yeah, it barely went past my neck. Like I could not get it on. I looked like, I looked like Chris Farley in uh, – in uh, Tommy Boy doing the fat guy in a little coat bit. Like, I didn't want to rip it, so I didn't even bother. So then uh, Mark's like, uh, it's like, hey, do you think Jessica wear it? I'm like, yeah. So we put it on you, and you look like a small child who dressed up in her dad's, like, work, uh, work outfit. <laughs> so it was almost adorable. It was it was on, it was was on right at that point. So, but yeah, the, the panel was great. Uh, anybody that was there that's listening to this, thanks for coming out. Hope you, hope you all enjoyed. We, um, Started a little late because we had some audio video problems. We wanted to show the stuff that we had to show, and you know, make sure that you know, get you guys got a little. So we promised a little something, so we made sure that. But that you know, unfortunately, made us start like ten minutes late. So we know there was some like Q and A that we missed. So um, I think we're definitely going to do it again next year. Would you say that, Jessica? 
Yes, yes, okay. definitely. And for those who knew, Chris had something great, like a little gift for you guys, other than what Mark was showing yeah. on the screen. Yeah, I had the. But, uh, um, I actually got a bunch of those. You have lithographs. Left. Yeah, I got the lithographs. Le- I got about sixty of those lithographs left. So I'm going to figure out something cool to do with them. So I, I, it was made just for the people there. But since I got so many left, um, I might give a couple away over the holiday season. So just you know, keep an eye out on that. I'll put a link up in the. Uh, in the show notes on uh, on the site, if you uh, if you want to see what it looked like, but, right, uh, <laughs> right, no, and it was awesome. And then after that, I went to last weekend. For those who do not know, LA decided to put on not one but four conventions <laughs> at the same time. It was it was it was amazing. Um, it was Designer Con, Ooh. which is basically urban vinyl, mm-hmm. like designer vinyl toys. Awesome. So things like you know money. You know, uh, Labbit, you've got custom-made ones. Mm-hmm. You've also got, like, Funko Pop. you got a lot of Artist Alley. A lot of kid robots. So, you know, stuff. you've got, like, steampunk, like, things of higher end. They're, they're collectibles, mm-hmm. so they're definitely not, like, you know, toys you give to your kids. Yeah. So I went to that, and then I also went to BenchCon, where we were also an exhibitor. Mm-hmm. Same company, different different convention and Bentcom was great and there's a lovely man there who's like head of exhibits because he does all the exhibitors his name is PK he's wonderful mm-hmm. he wore and Christy would be proud a bright orange Godzilla t-shirt <laughs> and I was like oh my god you know we love Godzilla he goes oh no this is not just a Godzilla t-shirt he goes this is my Godzilla karaoke t-shirt I'm wearing it tonight <laughs> for karaoke and I was and then he like scampers off so I'm like, oh, my God, that's awesome, because he was changing out of another shirt into an orange Godzilla shirt. So that's how I saw him, because he was bright orange and right in front of me. But I was like, oh, my gosh, that's wonderful, because, you know, Japan's beloved uh, character is accepted by everybody, mm-hmm. well-loved by all groups. And so we did BentCon, and also it was BlizzCon, oh, Blizzard, you, go to that? you know, Blizzard Entertainment's convention, mm-hmm. and also PMX. Oh, which yeah. is like Pacific, yeah, Pacific Media Expo. You know, for those who like anime, manga, J-pop, all yeah. that stuff. So, um, I, I didn't go to PMX. I went a couple of years ago, but I, I didn't go this year. I can't, I can't do four conventions in a weekend. Yeah, I know. It's, it's uh, especially, especially like, yeah. Did you, did you hit BlizzCon? I was not no, but I was able to keep up everything live. Yeah. So a friend was streaming for me, so I pretty much saw everything in live time. Um, so. Did you make it out to BlizzCon? No, ironically, it's it's like light right down the street from me. They hold it at the Anaheim Convention Center every year. I actually, people always ask me, it's like, oh, you going to BlizzCon? I'm like, no. Look, I, it's not because I don't have a, I don't have a, like a grudge against Blizzard on the the fact that I, you know, my high school years were spent playing StarCraft with my cousin and a buddy in what they called the war room over at his house. So, like, many, I was up, literally, I was up for 18 hours one, one time playing, like, several campaigns to the point I start seeing hands come out of the screen and start grabbing at my face. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but I haven't played really StarCraft. I haven't played StarCraft. I haven't played, like, anything by Blizzard in years, but uh, I still know, I, all my friends are still heavy into into that world, so they're always asking, like, hey, are you going to go to BlizzCon? like, no, uh, where's it at? It's, it's, I always forget it's at in, in Anaheim and how big it actually is. It's a, a, for a show that's based on a one company that has like five games. The show is huge, and I know <clears throat> I found out something interesting that uh, Blizzard only sells like three thousand tickets to this thing. Like it's very limited, 
And you gotta pay through the nose to get to it too. Like I think it's like ninety to a hundred dollars for the three days or something like that. But the dedicated, the hardcore, like World of Warcraft people really come out in like full force for this thing. Like there was from what I saw the pictures of there was tons of cosplay. I know that they promoted the heck out of the legendary was there to promote the Warcraft movie that they're making. Right. And uh, I know that they announced like a brand new game, which actually looks really awesome, called Overwatch. It's a shooter, but it looks like you remember Magic yeah. Studios. Yes. Yeah, it looks like something like like Imagine made a game. That's what it looks like, and it looks fantastic. So yeah, there was that. Did you get? Oh, real quick, did you go to Hello Kitty Con? No, and I re- that was something that was on the same weekend as Stanley's Kamikaze, mm-hmm. and I. Re- really want to go because they had amazing stuff they also have amazing uh hello kitty simpsons clothing which they released you know at hello kitty con but of course they'll have it yeah. around other retailers mm-hmm. but i was not able to go because i um you know made a commitment to my company and i wanted to be there for the booth you being the uh, <laughs> upstanding worker that you are i really really wanted to go though but you know i lived uh vicariously through all the photos but also to save me some headache, apparently a friend of mine, her cousin was there, and she took like a selfie or Skype and was talking to her, mm-hmm. and it was just her in what I can only describe a Hello Kitty frenzy mosh pit of people. Yeah, there was no line; mm-hmm. it was just groups of people, and she was basically saying like it's not structured in line. Yeah, when you wait, it's just groups of people going. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that was probably my saving grace was I'm not you know, with 50,000 other people, you know, squashed together. But, you know, I heard it was really fun, and it was very, very, very crowded. Yeah, my my coworker who's obsessed with Hello Kitty, she went out, and she was showing me all the pictures. She's like, oh, they had so much, you know, stuff, and I got all this. I'm like, ah, it's like, hey, did you, like, she she turned to me, she's like, you live out in Anaheim? I'm like, yeah, it's like, they said they're going to open up a Hello Kitty cafe out there. I'm like, what? And so I went online and looked and said, lo and behold, they're opening up like there's only one other one, and it's like out in Japan somewhere. So there, San Rio's opening up an actual Hello Kitty cafe, like like five blocks from my house. So that's gonna be very interesting. I'm gonna have to go check that out just just to just to see it for for uh, for you know schnitz and giggles. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I completely understand. When I was at Stanley's Kamikaze, the convention starts at one on Friday, I believe, yeah. on Friday. But the Hello Kitty convention started at 10. Mm-hmm. So I was there at 119, and I was, like, doing something. I was looking at my cell phone. That's how I knew it was 119. A lady came up with, like, this really cute Simpsons crossover with Hello Kitty, like, mm-hmm. sweater. So I ran up to her. Hopefully I didn't freak her out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love your sweater. Where did you get it? She was, she was like, oh, at the Hello Kitty convention. And I look at my watch, and I'm like, it's 119. She goes, yeah, the convention started at 10. And I was like, why are you here? She was like, it was so crowded. I just pretty much bought what I needed and I left. Never underestimate Never the, the drawing power of Sanrio. That's true. That is true. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. And she was like, oh, but you know, thank you for thinking my sweater skin. She left with her family. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, holy crap, that is crowded. Yeah. You know, I never cared much for Hello Kitty, but I love me some Bats Maru, though. Oh, yeah, the little angry penguin. Yep. So, he's just so disgruntled. <laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, so, real quick, 
um, while we're on the topic of what we did at Kamikaze, what what were we celebrating at Kamikaze, actually, Jessica? What were we celebrating? Actually, our panel was about the 60th anniversary of Godzilla and the 50th anniversary of Gamera. So, uh, as we record this, we're literally like, I think, a week and a couple of days out from the 60th anniversary. It was on November 3rd. Um, mm mm-hmm. And uh, pretty much it was Godzilla Day. The internet was just abreast with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of glass raises, you know, to the reason why everybody, why we're talking on this podcast, the reason why everybody's listening to the King of Monsters himself. I'm raising a, a fiction, a invisible glass in my hand right now as I'm saying it. And uh, so, yeah, so um, it was, it was kind of nice. Like, everybody came out of the woodwork for it. There was a ton of, like, artwork out there. Everyone just... Showing their nice appreciation. So, uh, we're going to try to have a uh, 60th anniversary special ourselves. We're working on something. I don't want to give too much away right now, but uh, if everything comes through, it'll be awesome. But in that meantime, though, I would just wanted to kind of just, you know, it would befuddle us not to mention, you know, the 60th anniversary <laughs> on the podcast. So, I don't think we'd be doing our jobs, would we, Jessica? I'm sorry, say that for me one more time. I said we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't mention at least in passing of the 60th anniversary. Of course, of course. I mean, that was one of the big reasons why our panel was there at yes. Stanley's Kamikaze. Because, you know, there were other Mecca and Kaiju podcast, I mean, mm-hmm. panels, excuse yeah. me, that were there, but we were the only ones that mentioned the anniversary. Pretty much like, yeah, the other one was just based on the, the legendary movie, and then there was a general giant robot, like Kaiju, kind of, ironically, kind of like the one you started, like, four years ago. <laughs> It's like literally someone was just like, there's, it, they say, you know, uh, what is it? Um, imitation is the serious, sincerest form of flattery. So I, I guess you could take it that way. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but no, it's, um, but yeah, no, it, the one thing I learned from a lot of people and especially at the Kamikaze panel, there are a ton of people that don't have, they're fairly new to the fandom that, you know, um, thanks to either Pacific Rim or to, um, to the legendary film and like people you know who either had a passing knowledge or you know were kind of into it but you know fell out of it like everyone's getting back into it which is really good it's good to see that again and uh i have noticed that there's a ton of people i had actually well i wouldn't say a ton but i had a good like 10 or 12 people kind of come up to me after the panel and they're just like so yeah um yeah I, i i've only seen a couple of them like mostly all the newer stuff like the millennium films like, uh, what you know, you guys were talking about this movie, or like, there's another Mecha Godzilla movie. I'm like, there's four of them. He's like, there's four. I've only seen two. I'm like, which one did you see? He's like, I saw the uh, the one where uh, with the girl that was piloting. I'm like, all right, so you saw the new one. He's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, because I mentioned that Mecha Godzilla 74 is my all time favorite Godzilla movie. He's like, what, 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 yeah, what's going yeah. On? He's like, well, what happened in that one? I'm like, well, the, there's there's the Planet of the Apes invade Earth and they bring Mecha Godzilla with them and. Godzilla teams up with the <laughs> with, with the living embodiment of a Japanese lion statue, and they take him on, and it's awesome. It's like really, it's like where can I find this stuff? I'm like, dude, you gotta look. But I'm like, I send him on his way. I'm like, here, go to Crackle, go to this site, and you know, just start from there. He's like, all right. And he pauses, and he's like, what's Gamera? I'm like, oh, oh, really? He's like, yeah. I, I, I he's like, sorry, I'm, I'm new to this. I'm like, that's fine. That's why we're here. So I kind of, I told him, it's like, you can go out, you can go on Amazon, 
for 10 bucks on Blu-ray, you can buy every single Gamera film except for the last one. It, all the ones that count. And just go enjoy them. Watch a few of the old ones and then watch the 90s trilogy. And you will fall in love with giant monsters all over you. It's all awesome. So, you know, it's 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 very refreshing to see the, the youth of today taking an interest in the art of yesteryear. Yes, yes. Oh, I was so sad I was not able to miss the after panel questions, but we I was in the middle of having battles between different James Bonds. So there was that. But that one was fun too, but it would have been great to like really talk with – it's always fun to talk to other fans like us, and we can always exchange knowledge and mm-hmm. you know let each other know what we like or what we didn't like or what we should recommend to watch. Well, it's that's that's what I that's you know kind of like when we started this. Part of the intention was you know we kind of foresaw that you know Pacific Rim was probably going to open up a lot of people to uh, to the fandom. So you know some other podcasts like you know like the Kaiju Cast, they're they you know they they aim and I'm, I, this is not a knock on anything they're doing. I'm, I love those guys, but they they aim for you know the the crowd, the like the the heart, the the, the fans that are in the know. Like part of our intention was like. For people who who are in the know, we're great. But if you're new to it, like we will, you know, kind of gently eat, like like you like you're getting into a pool that's cold, but it's warm out, and we will ease you into it, and you will have a great time. Right. No, I completely understand. Yep. Because there's always different types of podcasts. I mean, for comic books to toys to music, for those that are more for introduction and education, and also for those that are more who are already experts at it mm-hmm. and they just want, you know, even more or to hone that expert knowledge. Yeah. Some people, you can't just dump them in the deep end. No, you can't. You have to start. Yeah. I am one of those, at least in terms of swimming, I need to start from the shallow end mm-hmm. and then move to the deep end. <laughs> So I completely understand, you know, on their behalf. Yeah. Well. Um, but yeah, no, it was really fun. We had a good Stanley's Kamikaze. So. Um, and you know, it was amazing. It fell like a couple days later was Godzilla's 60th anniversary. It was the 60th, um, and then now we're we're they're still celebrating, you know. But you know, the big party's already been hit. But there's a, uh, you know, we're it's still it's still going strong. I don't count it until like at least the December because that's when most of the movies came out anyway when I was growing up. So there's still that. So we we're gonna we're gonna put out a couple more podcasts dedicated before the end of the year to to the 60th anniversary. So but we mm-hmm. had to, we had mm-hmm. to make mention of it a, uh, at least in passing on this episode. So Jessica, let's get into some news. That's pretty much uh you know to tonight's today's episode is kind of like a news of the world thing. We're just you know no big topic. We're just got a bunch of little stuff because uh, our last few episodes have been very topic heavy on other stuff so this is all the stuff we've missed in in the in between so uh jessica have you seen that someone is petitioning to get legendary to make a godzilla cartoon Uh, you know i have after Mm -hmm. you've linked it to me because (laughs) i've been busy with a couple family things Mm -hmm. we had i had a family emergency Mm -hmm. for those who didn't know um and so i wasn't been able to keep up with as many things as i wanted online yeah um because they also suck up so much of your time Mm -hmm. but i did see that and i support it i did laugh because it brought me back memories after the 1998 godzilla Mm -hmm. and they made that into an animated series Mm -hmm. Actually, that series but wasn't this bad, one though. will be different and yeah. better, we would hope. <laughs> well, uh, a uh, a gentleman by the name of Jake Long has uh, uh, 
start a petition on Go Petition to get Legendary to uh, make a cartoon to tide us over in the four years we have to wait in between Godzilla movies. So, yeah, uh, yes. I'm uh, I'm all for this. I really do think the Legendary, much like Toho, should probably be whoring the hell out of out of it while they can to keep interest going for in between those four years. Mm-hmm. I would it is see- it is quite some time to wait, and not all people are in the comic book medium, mm-hmm. sequential art medium, for those who, you know, need comic books. But the thing is, for what Maori and Frank is doing is not really inclusive in the legendary universe. Yeah. So some people want, and more people are going to watch TV than read comics, and so I think a legendary animated Godzilla will help. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's, you know, it's like a little tie-over, like you were saying. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you could do a ton of stuff that won't interfere. Kind of like, you know, look at best examples what Sony does, or at least did back in the late 90s. Uh, pretty much any time they had a big movie come out, they put a cartoon out to, to you know, go along with it. They When Jumanji came out, there was a Jumanji cartoon. When Men in Black came out, there was a Men in Black cartoon. And I, when Godzilla came out, there was a Godzilla cartoon. And... Depending on your your taste, a lot of those shows were sometimes better than the movies themselves. I actually really enjoy the Godzilla the Animated Series far more than the movie. Uh, it was yep, that's was, true. That is true. Far more in spirit with um, with what Godzilla really is more than anything more than anything that was in the movie. So, uh, which you can go watch. It's up on Netflix. All forty episodes are up there. I really would recommend it if you haven't seen it. I can't believe that's like. 16 years old now too. Good God. But uh, but yeah, go to most of that. But yeah, a new cartoon. Here's the, the the thing that's always bothered me is that there's never been a ton of animated Godzilla. Like there was the Hanna Barbera cartoon, and then there was the Sony cartoon, and that's essentially it. Like I, st- it still to this day shocks me that there's never been a, 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 a an anime of any sort based on Godzilla. And yet he was Japan's most popular character until uh, uh, Doraemon, the yeah. the blue cat, blue yeah. robot cat, kind of took over a couple of years ago. Eh, you can't fight with that. I mean, he is he is he is an adorable cat thing. I don't know. My my knowledge of Doraemon only goes to the fact that he looks happy every time I see him. <laughs> oh my god! Well, it's, it's like it's like the, it's like Hamataro. Uh, the for Toho was releasing. Hamataro shorts, I think for they did with GMK, and I think they did it with the two Mechagodzilla movies because they were helping boost the um, the ticket sales. And, right, uh, right. <laughs> so when they, when Hamataro got popular in Japan, they imported over here in the early 2000s, and Cartoon Network had it, and I was um, with a buddy of mine and his cousin, and uh, <laughs> and Hamataro popped up, and I was like, oh hey, I brought Hamataro over here, and he just turns to me, he's like. I hate freaking Hamataro. I'm like, why do you hate Hamataro? I was like, because nothing bad ever happens to those little bastards. I'm just like, so you hate them because their life is carefree and happy and nothing, like, a, a, there's not a car accident that violently takes out, like, one of these hamsters. <laughs> and that's what angers you. He's like, yes. I'm like, all right, you, your priorities are clearly straight in life. <laughs> but Yes. Uh, no, Hamataro was one of my favorites. So cute, especially whenever they went by the sleeping dog. <laughs> I am shocked. I am shocked that. Just, yes, uh, I even I even have the video games. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's dedication. That they is dedication. are so cute. <laughs> so pretty much, if it's small and fuzzy, you cannot resist it, right? 
Yeah, well, my first my first pet, I mean, my first real pet was a hamster named Hammy. Mm-hmm. So he, I wanted a little brother, mm-hmm. and my mother says, okay. And then two weeks later, I come, I walk home from school. I'm in fourth grade, and she leaves a note on the door and was like, I have a present for you. So I ran all the way into the back of the kitchen, like through the house. Our kitchen's in the back, thinking it was a little brother. I mean, I don't know how babies were born at the time. I should have known. And it was a giant five-gallon yellow bucket like you would get from like a Home Depot Mm -hmm. and with like a cardboard cover on top. So I I moved it out and I looked in. It's like a mess of newspapers and this gigantic fat hamster sitting on the bottom. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, that's not a human boy. (laughs) And my mom comes home and I told her and she goes, you want a little brother, so I gave you the next best thing. It's a male hamster. And so I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> and then Hammy was in my life. That that little sucker lived five years. And he was already a grown-ass adult hamster Which when he came. So I don't know how long he's been alive. He could be like the mirror. He could be like the grandfather of all hamsters. I'm not so sure. I had a I had a free range guinea pig growing up when I was a kid. That was my. Big oh yes, pig. yes, I remember you told me, and that guinea pig took out a cat. Yes, oh, it was one of the greatest moments of my young life. I had my guinea pig. We got it from my dad's cousin, and uh, my dad, in his infinite wisdom, did not keep it in a cage. We had a small patch of grass. I don't know if I told the story here, but we had a small patch of grass in our backyard because we had extended our house, so our backyard shrunk considerably. So, pretty much. All the way around the house was surrounded by concrete, except for this 10 foot, 10 by 12 foot patch of grass we had back there. My dad just kind of threw him out there. It's like here you go, and you know he wandered around. He looked, and then he came up to the edge of the of the walk and put his feet up on the concrete. It's like nope, and went back to the grass. So we had no worry of him ever running off. Like to get, you know, he would never run off the grass. Like so we knew like there was like an invisible, like much like Monster Island, there was an invisible barrier keeping him in. <laughs> And pretty much he would just hang out. He was a fat guinea pig. He was probably about mm, two foot long, probably. Maybe a little over a foot and a half. He was, he was pretty big. And pretty much he sat there, munched on grass. My dad had a little, my, my, well, my dad would initially put like a little cage out there. My mom insisted, he's like, oh, he belongs in a cage. Put him in a cage, he would do nothing but whine. Like that little whistling thing that they do. And he did yeah. that constantly because he didn't like being in the cage. So we'd take him back out of the cage, throw him outside. And, you know, th- this is in Norwalk, California. Like, this is not, like, you know, like, a subtropic climate or anything for it. It's literally, like, a, it's it's a suburb. And that's where he that's where he remained for, like, the eight years that we had him. And we had a lot of stray cats in our neighborhood. My mom was always worried that a cat was going to come and just mess him up. Mind you, we were very lazy with our pet names. Like, we never had a dog or cat, so we just had, we had two birds, a couple of fish, and the guinea pig. So we just called the guinea pig Guinea. That's all we named him. It was just like, we're too lazy to give you a proper name. And the bird, our birds didn't have a name. We just called them birds. They're bird one and bird two. <laughs> and our goldfish, which murdered the other two goldfish in the bowl and then grew to like a Hulk size. We, it was just our goldfish. That was it. Like we were very, we were, we were very uncreative. Um, and so one day, I, you know, little eight-year-old Chris is walking into this. We have a den area with a big sliding door that looks in the backyard. And I look out the window. It's 
big sliding door, and I see, you know, I'm literally like five feet from my guinea pig. There's just a pane of glass, you know, and a couple of feet of concrete separating us. And I see him out there, and he's sitting in the middle of the, of the little patch, and he's nibbling on grass, and he's got his little plate of lettuce and stuff out there. And this cat, I see this cat hop up on the wall. It's a stray, this, like, tabby or whatever that runs around the neighborhood. And I see him, and he's kind of eyeing the guinea pig. And guinea pig's just minding his own business, just, like, chilling. And pretty much the cat jumps down, and he's doing that, you know, how cats, you know, start stalking. Yes, and, they stalk their prey. Yeah, yep. so he starts stalking up to him, and pretty much the guinea pig turns around, and the cat, you know, he sees the cat, and there's like this showdown, like they're just staring at each other. The cat leaps at my guinea pig. Guinea pig goes up and just takes a big bite out of his face and just <laughs> messes up this this cat. Now you see the cat just like like freak out and tear, and then runs and runs back up. Guinea pig turns around like nothing happened, just goes back to eating. <laughs> even better literally like a month later we were having a party and um my cousin's aunt brought her like cocker spaniel and that thing was running around and this thing was a little bastard like just barking at everyone just you know just annoying dog and so uh it's running around the backyard and you know we're all talking all of a sudden we hear a commotion we hear the dog talking barking and growling I mean I look over and I see the dog growling at my guinea pig my guinea pig raced up with his mouth open and his huge teeth like glaring and they're about ready to go at it like literally it's like War of the Gargantuas and the dog <laughs> lunges for my guinea pig the guinea pig ducks under and then much doing the equivalent of a guinea pig uppercut latches on to the underneck or into the neck, uh, into the neck of the cocker spaniel, and just bites down, and the dog starts freaking out and swings wildly, like it's swinging its neck, well, you know, yelling, ah, yeah, and the guinea pig is holding on, just teeth in there, and he is like <laughs> oh, no. flying back and forth, and he ain't letting go, and he's got this dog in a death grip, and the dog finally, like, just latches up, throws the guinea pig off, he kind of flips in the air and lands back down doesn't do a thing the dog runs off and it's just terrifying he's got a bloody neck guinea pig just goes back to mind his own business so i knew that my my little guinea pig who now have been raised the in the mean grasses of my backyard could now take on anything i'd never had to worry about him the only thing he died Aww. of was old age so he lived a good long life oh and i bet he was super healthy and he had like a little fence around him no, we had, with my grandfather, when we put a, we had a new roof put on, so he took some of the roof shingles and built him a little guinea pig house, and that's where he lived in. Aww, like, cute. At night, he, like, first thing we put it down, he went right in, and we put a little blanket in there, and he just felt all cozy and comfy, and he'd sleep in there at night, come out, you know, munch on grass, we put out food for him, and, you know, he was gangsta. He was, uh, he was, <laughs> he was the Kong of his own Skull Island in that backyard. Oh my god. I also love how you're throwing in all kinds of monster and kaiju references. <laughs> Pretty much. So, but yeah, so that's the story of my of my gangster guinea pig. <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about Hamataro. I think that's how we came to it. So. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah, no, no, we understand. We were talking about all the wonderful things that come out of Japan. Yes. Some of the crazy stuff. Speaking of uh, things coming out of Japan, um, Crunchyroll. Uh, do you ever use Crunchyroll, Jessica? I do. I do. Thank you, Crunchyroll, for Attack on Titan. 
granted all those commercials wanted me to just kick the crap out of the screen mm-hmm. but you know can't complain when yeah. something is free well if you have a if you have the paid account you get the the commercial free stuff oh yeah no god no the three of us three me and two of my other poor friends were not I mean, I'm sure if all of us did it like $2 a piece, we would have. But they literally they literally only used Crunch, Crunchyroll for Attack on Titan. Whoa. So I don't think they would be reoccurring members. They might have but, to. You they, know. they might have to after this news. So I know you're a massive Ultraman fan. Yes. You know you're Ultraman. Like, you know Ultraman far better than I do. Like, I'm a off-handed Ultraman fan. Like, my Ultraman growing up was Ultraman Towards the Future, the Australian one. Mm-hmm. And years later, I tracked down Ultraman or Ultra Seven, and I watched all of Ultra Seven. And then, besides a few of the movies, the Zero movies, that's about my extent of my Ultraman knowledge. So, Crunchyroll, this uh, week and a half ago, they announced, "Hey, out of nowhere, we're gonna start streaming Ultraman Max, like on our site, subtitled, legitimately. Like you don't have to go on by bootlegs. All fifty-two episodes." And everyone was just like, "Wait, what?" So this is the first time. I think since Tiga aired on Fox Kids, that Ultraman has been legitimately available in America in some form. You didn't have to go download on a torrent or anything like that. So, Ultraman Max was the first one. Then, like, a day later, they're like, oh, yeah, we also got Ultraman Mebus. Like, what? What? So now you have two Ultraman series that are completely subtitled and available for watch for free, if you want, on Crunchyroll. So this is a big, important moment, isn't it, Jessica? Yes, it is, because, you know, I actually did, of one of the many panels I did at Stanley, it was about the 20th anniversary of Power Rangers, because Power Morph and Con recently passed. Yes. And then um, we talked about, like, Tokusatsu, Super Sentai Cultures, Ultraman, Common Riders, and a lot of it is why it's not popular in the United States. Mm-hmm. And Dave Baker was one of my friends and guests on there, and he's a huge Chogosatsu fan. He goes, you know, the thing for it is availability. Mm-hmm. He was like, I think if it was more readily available, not illegally, mm-hmm. you know, because some people just don't want to do it that way, he goes, that's how you would be able to be exposed to it. He goes, this whole, like, mm-hmm. the only other place to get it is to come to conventions like these and buy bootlegs yeah. of it. Then it's like this whole thing and then like everything, you know. And so he goes, it's, it's a complicated system. Mm-hmm. He goes, why do you think so many things are torrented? He goes, had you just have them available and not by region, region free, people will eventually discover it and watch it. So I think have, Crunchyroll having that is a huge, coming after this panel and my friend expressing how he felt, I think that's a huge step up. And I think that more people would be exposed. And also, it's zany and wonderful, and mm-hmm. I think people would love it. Oh yeah, I, I've actually, I've been, I've actually started watching Ultraman Max. I got a free, I think thirty day like premium account, so I'm using it to watch Max. I'm gonna try to watch Mebus, but there's like, that's a hundred episodes. I don't have a time to watch hundred episodes, so I'll probably watch the free versions with all the commercials once my account expires. But yeah, no, it's right. it's, it's awesome because again, like. As you said, the only way to get a lot of these shows are just to get the bootlegs. Like, I know Ultraman aired over here. I know Ultra 7 aired over here. And then it was Ultraman Towards the Future. And then after that was Tiga. And then those were pretty much the four Ultraman that you got. And, like, the I think 7 was the longest-running one that was in syndication. Like, that just got replayed over and over again. 
but it was on like TBS back before anybody really cared what TBS was. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's always been the thing. Like Super Raya Studios has always like dragged their feet on doing anything stateside with Ultraman. Cause they, I think the main thing they've always complained about is like, well, you're all just bootlegging our stuff anyway, so nobody's gonna care. It's like, well, no, I mean that's it's a niche market and it's a very select. It's a smaller group than they really think that are that are uh, bootlegging. Now I know that there's a lot of you know they're thinking like, okay, well everyone's bootlegging. That's the only people that are gonna be interested. It's like, no, I guarantee you there'll be more people interested. If you look at how Tiga was handled by uh, by uh, Four Kids Entertainment, that was like manhandled terribly. It had a bad dub on it. Um, I just went back and rewatched Towards the Future, which awesome freaking show. As it was as awesome as I remember when I was like seven years old watching it. And surprisingly, it did, it it could it could have aired on Sci-Fi as a normal show. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a little goofy with the effects. They're very they're kind of dated, but the show took itself fairly straightforward. It was pretty much a an adult show, you know, tagged as a kid show. And, you know, if um, a lot, you know, I know the the more modern Ultraman really play up to the kid aspect now, because that's who's watching it. But right. If they pick and choose, like, like the certain ones they're doing, I know Max has a lot of um, a lot of fans. I believe Matt Frank, when I was talking to him at uh, Power Morphicon Express, like, he was like, he showed me something. It's like, yeah, this is from Ultraman Max. I'm like, you, you hit me with the one thing I don't know a lot about, dude. It was Ultraman. He's like, oh, yeah, I love Ultraman. So I know Max was popular. I know Mebus was super popular. So getting those two, and on a, on a on a service where you don't really have to pay anything to watch it, that's best way to really ex- expose people to it. And on top of that, literally like 24 hours ago, they announced they just put up Ultraman Leo as well, which is one of the 70s ones. I started watching that. That is freaking awesome. I love the. There, I was watching one episode where I think it's the first episode where Leo shows up and he's. He helps Ultra 7 fight off two of these giant monsters, and they're fighting on a shoreline. I forgot just how much awesome, like, the water work they would do on these shows was, because that was a lot... There was, like, a bunch of water fights in Ultraman 7, and they built really... Like, Super Riot built these really intricate sets, and just seeing, like, those suits and, like, water splashing around... Like, the actor inside the Ultraman suit would just splash around, like, wildly, and it kind of... In the way that the it was filmed in, in the higher motion when it was played back just looks amazing <coughs> so it's it's a nice um it's it's just nice to see ultraman like the, pretty much after godzilla ended my own my kaiju fixes were coming from the ultraman movies that were coming out of uh japan during the mid-2000s like the zero films right no i understand what you mean yeah and a lot of kaiju lovers who collect figurines are a lot of them. I mean, you can only have so many from Godzilla or Gamera, so they go towards Ultraman. Yeah, you know, and other things in order to get the fix that they need. Sounds terrible, like it's a drug addiction. <laughs> but uh, in order to get what they need, essentially, because you know, we start as fans, we start looking outwards when we're done with something. We start looking out for similar things, almost like Amazon's suggested. You may also like this. Yeah. Uh, people start looking out and looking for other things that they like. You know, that's how a lot of my friends discover new things that are kind of within the same genre that they like. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, have have you seen these yet? I, I didn't ask. I mean, did, have you watched Max or Mebus? I have, but I have not experienced them on Crunchyroll. Okay. So I need to be on Crunchyroll a little bit more as soon as I'm done with a couple of things at home. Uh, but no, I've always been wanting, and I've been thinking for a while to just get a subscription. 
because I'm sorry, those commercials, I wanted to just, uh, they were too frequent well, and too long of commercials. I'm, I, I, my thing's for fourteen ninety nine, so it's not too bad. It's, it's not, it's not that bad, so. And the, there is a yeah, it's a little bit more expensive than Netflix, but it's not. I mean, it's pretty much Netflix. It, it caters to a different audience than the Netflix people. It's, so it's, it's Hulu for anime, pretty much. Yeah. Yes, it is. A ton of Korean dramas on there, like just thousands <laughs> of Korean dramas. Oh my god, there's so many. But uh, yeah, but, I mean, uh, how, how, I never asked how many of the Ultraman series have you actually seen all the way through? Um, I've actually seen all of them. Um, up until everything that is pretty much also listed on Wikipedia because that's how I kept in touch with everything and I go through forums and everything. But I haven't... The thing is, I watch everything once. Mm -hmm. So for the people who re-watch and re-watch and re-watch series, Mm -hmm. you know, like some people are with Community or Parks and Rec, Mm -hmm. uh, I have not done that with them. So you you pretty much... Also because, like you said, when it's like 100 episodes, it's like there's so many... To yeah. rewatch, and then of course you pick and choose the ones that you like. Mm-hmm. But there is fun in rewatching, um, binge watching them again, but yeah. in order. Exactly. So it's something that when I can find time on like an entire Saturday, on a rare Saturday where I have nothing to do, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna just binge as much as I can and just rewatch all of them. Because it'll be nice to kind of jolt memory. I've been trying to do that also because I love Voltron and I keep up with the comics. Mm-hmm. And but I haven't rewatched every Voltron episode I watched as a child. Yeah. And now they're some of them are terrible. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, I've been trying to rewatch like the 1966 Super uh, Batman came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have seen all those episodes once through. Mm-hmm. So now I want to kind of be able to rewatch them again. I was a junkie for those when I was a kid. I loved the 66 Batman, but I've seen those so many times that like I could ramble stuff off. So. You know, and plus, I didn't. I'm not paying the hundred and forty dollars for the DVD set right now. Um, that's just a little too much, a little too rich for my blood. But yeah, you've seen, you've watched pretty much every Ultraman. I, that is inhumanly impressive. Like I started, I, I found the American one that they made like back in the '90s after the Australian one. Yes. And I couldn't watch. It was so. It was so bad. And certain things America touches. Yeah. Um, that is original medium was in foreign soil mm-hmm. is not great. So when they had announced the possible American Doctor Who, I almost like threw a brick out the, <laughs> my own window. So I was like, no. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of mm-hmm. how it was. Like the the, the because my Ultraman growing up was is always going to be the ja- the Australian one, with Jack Shindo. Like that's like that's I had the game, I had all that. I was I was super into that show, even though it was thirteen episodes long. But uh. But no, I like at a like Comic Con like back in like two thousand one, like a dude sold me like the first like all thirteen episodes of like the American one. I put in quotation. And never got released over here for like ten bucks. And I, I put I popped it on like two episodes in. I'm just like I I can't watch like because I, I did a little research on them. It turns out the suits they made were so fragile that when they were when they would do the fights, like they had to like pull the punches. So it looks like so Ultraman's going in. He's gonna throw a punch at Red King, and he like he stops and slows down, just kind of like, like kind of butterfly taps him, and then there's a lot of like grabbing and like rocking back and forth, like they're like wrestling, but it's really delicately done. So like Ultraman's the only one that does any flips or anything like that, but whenever he attacks a monster, it's just like the weakest looking dude giving like a like a pansy slap. 
for these things. And I just I was like, this is garbage. I can't. I I I, I, I feel gypped out of my ten bucks. Oh no, it's terrible. Yeah, but yeah, that's the gamble you take at comic conventions like that, though. So, but no, we got to sit down one day and just talk all Ultraman. I gotta. You need to educate me. So. Also, there's Ultraman comics. Yes, I have seen. I have the. Not Superman people. Ultraman, yeah. Ultraman. Not not. <laughs> yeah, not not, not the evil Superman. Superman Ultraman. Yeah. I got I got a couple of the Battle of the Ultra Brothers comics from when I was a kid. And then I have a couple of the ones that are based on the the Ultraman Towards the Future, but I know there's a ton of other stuff, like just yeah. massive. So I think in the near future we're gonna have to sit down, and you're gonna have to educate me on everything Ultraman. Yes, sounds good. All right. Well, let's talk about Pacific Rim. That's why we're all here. Oh my God, no! That's also talking about something else that's years away. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a cartoon in two years. So it's getting closer, Jessica. It's getting closer. And then we have a movie in three years. So we know Guillermo del Toro, he was out promoting Book of Life, which he produced. Yes. Which did yes, you he see? was. Which, did you see uh, Book of Life? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, everything cut out for a couple seconds. Oh, that's fine. Um, I have, oh, God. There's a, by the time you guys hear this episode, I would have watched Book of Life because I'm actually going literally tomorrow. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Well, that's good to know because he was out promoting it, and of course, everyone was kind of bugging him. It's like, okay, the three things he got to, he you guys for. What's your next movie? Okay, I did a haunted house movie. Okay, what's up with the strain? We're coming back next year. All right, finally, what's up with Pacific Rim? So that's what we're gonna touch on. So he gave a uh, update to Pacific Rim uh, two, which he dropped a couple of new tidbits, and they're worth noting. So uh, the script is, for two, he said, is about done. And the big news is that the fact that Travis Beecham is back. Because originally yes. it was just Del Toro yep. and Zach Penn working on it. Because Beecham at the time was working on his show Hieroglyph, which we, now we know Fox yeah. ceremoniously canceled like months before it even aired. Like they have, there's like five full completed episodes and like a half of a six one just flowing out there. They will never be seen. That I, I still can't wrap my head around that. That is so wasteful. So now that he's got a little free time. They brought him back in. It's like, hey, <laughs> created this. Let's 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 spruce it up a bit. So Beecham's back in, and not only are they working on two, which he said is going to be a radical, not a radical departure, but a tonal departure from the first one. Like they're he's pretty much he's he's kind of hinting that it gets real, um, and that we might we're probably going to see some new characters. Uh, but uh, it's going to lead into a possible part three, so we're gonna, we might get a trilogy out of this, Jessica. Which I think was the original plan. Mm-hmm. If if I was, if I'm not mistaken, so because I always, in my mind, I always saw it as a trilogy, also. Yeah, which I think that's legendary. Has always wanted when they when they took on the 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 script. But the thing is, though, the movie did so so here. And Warner Brothers was just like, eh, nah, we don't need it anymore. But thankfully, Universal's like, hey, we only can make so many Fast and Furious movies, so we're gonna put our time and effort into this. So they're they're back in the new one now, and it's they've I think they've learned a lot of lessons that Warner Brothers did like on advertising and you know release date. That's a big thing nowadays. So we it's coming out in April, which is a much better date than you know mid July than the last one. But yeah, part three. 
which is amazing. But everyone's still complaining. It's like, you should be doing Hellboy 3 instead of doing this. I'm like, oh, it's a matter of someone wants to make Hellboy 3. Like, Universal made Hellboy 2. Universal was not going to make Hellboy 3. They said, yeah, we're good. We're good right now. So, Del Toro's going to do what Del Toro's going to do. That is true. That is true. And, you know, there's only so much time. He is kind of one man. He's doing The Strain. Mm -hmm. He obviously did Book of Life, Pacific Rim 2, mm -hmm. um, possibly 3. You know, and there's other things I heard that he was doing um, at one time, obviously, Justice League Dark, and I believe was it his version of Pinocchio? Yeah, I don't know if that's still going or not. Like, he was producing Yeah, like an so, I mean, version. that would have been great, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I don't know if I want to be Scarf for Life and see a Del Toro's version of Pinocchio. But, I mean, weird. granted, the Disney cartoon also scarred me as a child, so that was different. <laughs> but I would love to have seen his Justice League Dark, which, as you saw, is not announced in the DC lineup. Yeah. I mean, things can always be added, and not all those movies. I mean, as many of my friends say, I will... I'll believe it when I see it, when those movies make it on screen. So, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. The last time I Googled Justice League Dark, I think it was in the summer, and they were all older links to the news, to when yeah. he originally spoke about it. I, I wouldn't doubt that so, Constantine the show might have put a damper on that. Yeah, yeah, because he wanted to have Constantine, he had Zatanna. Like, mm -hmm. I would love to see Swamp Thing and all kinds, oh, yeah. you know, but... Oh, Dead man, I could see, I could see how that could be an issue. Yeah, which uh, they've already made subtle hints to all that in Constantine as well. So, yes, and you know, did you see Constantine episode one? Yes, I did. Did you see Swamp Thing's head? Um, no, I saw Pandora's box, and I saw my favorite was Doctor Fate's helmet. Yes. Sorry, people, spoilers. We <laughs> should have, we should have clarified that. But I freaked out when I saw mm -hmm. uh, Doctor Fate's helmet. Where was Swamp Head's head? It was in a glass case, so when they're walking around and they're talking about, like, oh, you know, this this place is like a um, kind of magic, you know, just a it's, it's a containment area for, like, uh, magical, uh, you know, uh, pieces of, uh, of property and stuff like that. Swamp Thing's head's inside of a case, and then then the girl picks up Dr. Fate's helmet, so they're going, they're, they're, they're not shying, they're shying away more from the vertigo and going very much more Justice League Dark. The fact that they're introducing uh, the spirit, or not spirit, but the specter very soon in the show. Yeah, yeah, Kristen Allen, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, a huge thing. By the way, a lot of Doctor Who references in this show, too. There, There is, there is. And there are certain shows um, that also have a lot of Doctor Who references. Um, oh, my God, Eric Wallace. I forgot what he wrote for. He also wrote Mr. Terrific, the DC comic, I think... Wasn't Warehouse 13? Was it Eureka? I can't remember. But he also wrote another really pretty popular sci-fi show, and there was a ton of Doctor Who references. Also, mm -hmm. I think Doctor Who is like the show, this the sci-fi show that people reference to in other sci-fi shows. Pretty much, yeah. It's like an homage or like a love to it. Yeah. You know. But I was like, yep, yep. I need to. I am. I believe one episode behind from on Constantine. So it, it is my, since I'm not currently watching Supernatural, this is my Supernatural. Oh, that's good. Do you, are you watching Flash? Yes. Yes, I am. I have not watched this week's Flash yet because I have something to do, but so I will have to watch it this weekend. It's so good, Jessica. Like, I don't want to, I'm not going to play spoilers, but oh my God, shut up and take my money. <laughs> I think I saw 
saw you write down your Facebook status, or maybe it was somebody else. No, I would be surprised. Me. It was me. It's the way they, the way the way that they ended it was was oh, it was awesome. I love I love the Flash. Like I haven't watched really much of Arrow, but Flash has got me hooked. I love everything about Flash and Constantine. I've really been I've been really enjoying Constantine. Like the pilot was great, and the second episode really dipped, but then they I think they found their stride again. So. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we got we get side we've gotten sidetracked a hell of a lot on this episode. Um, it's all right; our listeners get to learn more about us. Yes, so especially stuff like this. Uh, so yeah, Pacific Rim two, possibly three now. Um, Del Toro seems very high on it. They start. Um, he said they're almost done with the script, and I think production is going to start about this time next year. So by you know two Comic Cons from now, we might see like a better sneak peek or better idea what we're going to get up by that time too we should be getting a look inside the cartoon as well I'm thinking right I think so too and I'm really interested to see what the animated series will look like and will be yeah that's the I'm actually the final product yeah I'm far more interested in that at the moment than I am like the sequel so which I it's I'm I'm not I don't think that's telling of anything I just very curious where they're what they're going to do with with the animated series. I already know like movie's going to be awesome, like with cartoon. Like you're in my 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 kind of like thing right there. So show me what you got. So yes. All right. Well, uh, wow, we're already running a little behind. So let's uh, let's let's finish things up. Um, if you listened to the last few episodes, we were really pushing uh, Kaiju Gaiden, the um, documentary about uh, Lost in kind of, uh, like, fan-filmy kaiju films. I, mean, I don't really say fan films, but, like, all Austin odd uh, kaiju films. That uh... Yeah, they were kind of rare kaiju films. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say... They're, they're fan films in the sense that fans made them, but those fans are the ones that actually worked in the studios. Yes. From what I understand. Exactly. So it's almost like if you were a Warner Brothers employee mm-hmm. and you worked on Nolan's Batman, mm-hmm. but yet somehow you had the connections and the friendships and other coworkers, and maybe you was able to like lend a Batmobile, and you made your own Batman film Pretty much, that was yeah. much shorter and rarer. Yeah. So technically you are a fan, mm-hmm. but you have the employee connections and actually worked on the film. Yeah, it's not like... Because a lot of that stuff looked really, really good oh, yeah. on Kaiju Gaiden. Oh, yeah. So, um... If, uh, I've been posting a ton of it on the Facebook. Uh, the Kickstarter, I think, ended yesterday as we, as we were, or two days ago as we were recording this. They met their goal, so the movie is a go. They actually um, met over their goal, too. So they got, a, I think it's like 30000 So a lot of those bonus features they were talking, uh, they, that Mark had been mentioning, uh, will be coming. And uh, now it looks like, um, you know, the... They have, they have shot the doc. I know that they're, from what I've been in contact with, that they're they're putting together right now. So hopefully we'll see something in the future. We're going to get those guys back. We're going to get Mark and David on I, next couple of uh, weeks or, or maybe a month or so. Uh, I've, you know, just they have stories to tell about their their time in Japan. So uh, it's it's believe me, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. But um, yeah, they the fact that they made it and we're getting the movie is tremendous because there's a lot of awesome stuff that you guys are going to see in this thing. And uh, hopefully this leads to, you know, maybe a release of some of this stuff. We don't know yet, but uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm trying not 
put any words and don't read anything to what I'm saying. I'm just I'm out there wildly speculating at this point. But uh, no, I I can't wait. I have been lucky. Both Jessica and I have been lucky to see you know some of these films that uh, Mark has been collecting. They are wonderful. Uh, Atragon Two is completely awesome in in a in, in a nutty kind of way, but it is awesome. And what we've seen of uh, Wolfman versus Godzilla is j- just pure joy. There's so much awesome in that too. So expect um, more coverage of Kaiju Gaiden from us because I've all I've been about shilling this thing since day one since we met Mark and he told us about the project. I'm just like. If you go back to lesson episode 10, he tells the awesome story of how he found it. Um, I think two episodes before this one, uh, we followed up on it and all the other stuff he had. So go listen to those. If you if you haven't heard them, give you a good idea what the movie's about. But, hey, it's coming, and we're very happy for them. We want to give them uh, our, our congratulations, and hopefully they'll be uh, they'll be in soon to talk about their, their trials and tribulations that they've had. Yeah, it would be great. Of from their end mm-hmm. for a little while it kind of dipped or there was on a stall yeah. in terms of you know funders and backers but yeah. then they they actually hit a great stride and they actually made you know a little bit over what their bowl would be which is good because um i know they have a lot there's a ton of stuff that they that they that they have so this you know the overage they've said will give them um you know, room to release a lot of this stuff. So I know that they shot a ton of footage. You know, if you're making like an hour and a half to two hour documentary, you have like 40 hours of footage. I mean, you can only use so much. So this way, they'll at least, you'll at least, you know, all the backers will get all their the cool stuff that they got, and everyone else will be able to start, you know, seeing all the stuff that they they filmed. So um, again, we're gonna have them on hopefully soon. Give all the details about the film. Give like it, they they have tales to tell from uh, Japan, so hopefully we can have them regale us with it. Uh, you know, if Mark's listening, uh, just just get ready, because we're going we're, we're gonna to sit back down with you, because he tells the greatest stories, too. So, so anyway. Yes, he definitely has some great <laughs> tales, and he always has all kinds of really interesting and cool and unique things that even some really, really hardcore kaiju fans mm-hmm. haven't seen yet. Oh, he he showed me something. He showed me some stuff at Comic Con. I'm just like, oh god, I can't, I can't wait to get back on and just like talk about all this stuff. So it gets me giddy. I love, I love this stuff. I love, like the little, like the lost stuff. Like during my high school, like my super uptight, like you know, film geek phase. Like I was all about finding, like all the Turkish films that ripped off Hollywood films, like the Turkish Superman. And, uh, like, the Turkish Spider-Man movie, all that stuff. Like, I had a real major hard-on for that stuff. I still have all that stuff. I love that kind of stuff. So, like, <laughs> like all the stuff that Mark has is just, it's, a, it's he's literally, like, smog on top of a pile of gold. And I'm just, like, just, I need to see more of it. So, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh, got a little bit of a cough. So yeah, so um, so yeah. If you want to check out more, uh, you can check out their Facebook of Kaiju Gaiden. They have a Tumblr as well. They have their their Twitter. Go follow them. They're good people, and then, uh, they're gonna have a lot more news coming their uh, you know your way if you're following them. And believe me, this is gonna be something you're really gonna want to watch. Oh, all right, Jessica. It's pushing 2 a.m. our time. 
Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But, you know, we definitely have more to say about kaijus in our next podcast. Yes. So this, the, we'll, we'll, we got, we got a ton of cool, I got a ton of stuff lined up. We're going to have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, this, this pretty much was just like, we're, this is a nice catch up episode We're you know, this is, this is a, a, a casual experience. So, uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed, um, that note, Jessica, where can yes. people find more of our work? Yes, you can find more of us on uh, the Kingdom podcast.tumblr.com. Uh, we are also on Twitter, but on Twitter, we are the Kaiju Kingdom um, because podcast is just, there's only so many characters we could be on there. Uh, we are also very active on Facebook. Thank you to Chris, mm-hmm. which is facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We also have emails for those so inclined to privately talk to us, not just inbox us. Uh, it is the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast at gmail.com. All right. And if you want to you know, keep up on new stuff, you can head on over to realmcast.com where I do a lot of work over there. I host a, several other podcasts. If you heard us talking about Flash earlier, I host a Flash podcast called The Rundown, The Flash, with my good friends George Cordero and Sergio Sanchez. I also host the Take Two podcast with uh, George Cordero. That's where we talk about all the news in the week. Uh, and also, I run a Legend of Korra podcast, if you like Legend of Korra, uh, with my good friend Eddie Dilworth. Uh, you can check that out as well over there at therealmcast.com. We also have the Comics and Chain podcast, as well as the Arrow podcast. And uh, a couple of other goodies over there as well. So go on, check on, check us out over there. Uh, Jessica, where can they find you? Actually, now that the wonderful Facebook somehow has hunted down and made me my last name, mm-hmm. which I think you noticed, yes. Chris. I'm not so sure. I did. But um, always feel free to – yeah, you saw me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always feel free to friend me on uh, Jessica, and my last name is Sang, T-S-E-A-N-G. And, you know, just definitely inbox me and know that you heard me on here or we met in person or something because I feel so bad. I won't want to ignore friend requests of someone, you know, for like you, the mm-hmm. listener, versus like a random person <laughs> who just somehow finds people on Facebook and Twitter. And so, and then from there, you know, I run the comicbookgirl.com and girlongeek.com and also that links to all my other social media sites. Okay. And uh, on that note, I have big news. If you didn't hear the last episode, we're finally up on Stitcher and iTunes. Yay! For those who don't like to right-click and save as, you can head on over to those places, put us in your feed. You can, we always, always would love some feedback. If you hate us, if you like us, if you're just like, hey, Chris maybe needs to shut up a little bit and let Jessica talk some more. That's all welcomed. So if you, uh, if you don't, like heading over to Panzer Crush, you can head on over to one of those two sites. You can stream us off of there, off Stitcher, and you can listen to it. You can download us off of iTunes as well. So, uh, hey, we're in the forefront of podcasting future finally. Um, real quick, I got one other thing I want to make mention of before we leave. I complete this completely spaced me, but I felt that it was so good that it needed to be mentioned um, for the 60th anniversary. There, uh, I posted a video up on our Tumblr, and I felt that the, 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 the gentleman that made it said it was still a work in progress. 
and that uh, you know it was it had some issues. But I'm just like, no, this. I I, I even wrote him. It's just like, dude, this is like the finest piece of, you know, rep- it's the finest representation of 60 years worth of Godzilla on there. So a guy, a, a gentleman by the name of Jackson Morris, made a uh, a tribute to Godzilla. It's called the 60th Rough Cut. Go check it out on our Tumblr. It's six and a half minutes long, and sans a few video color correction issues, it is a magnificent uh, montage video. For like, if you really want to sum up Godzilla in 60 years, this guy did it beautifully, and it's perfect. So go over there and check it out. It is awesome. So, on that note, that is going to do it for us for this week. So for myself and Jessica, hi. 